Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. <laughs> Okay, you'll find that this week is going to go really quickly, the time just goes like that. Okay, so let's turn to uh, your notes again and page one and the section we're going to look at now. And as you can see, we're just going to be able to touch on the high spots of this uh, fantastic book. How many felt you got something out the first session? Oh, about 12 of you. Uh, the rest of you. Okay. All right, now what we're going to pick up here is I want to go to number seven for the moment, then we'll come back to six. So page one, so what we've tried to cover in the first session is the title and blessing and salutation and uh, the witness of the Almighty and just uh, the messenger there particularly. And then number five, the key to the book, John's in the spirit and hears his trumpet voice. I want to go to number seven now. And uh, do remember, and, uh, remember this is a seminar, as I said, the very meaning of the word seminar is uh, it's like the scattering, dispersing of seed. So what I encourage in a seminar like this when we're trying to do uh, the impossible job that Dr. Hong Sing always gives me, <laughs> do the impossible, uh, do the whole book of Revelation, is just uh, pick up all the seeds you can. You know, the prophet Isaiah says, seed for the sower, bread for the ears. So some of you will get a lot of bread that you can break up and feed the people, make toast or uh, whatever, hamburgers. Uh, and a lot of you get seed. So you may be a sowing ministry, pick up all the seed you can. You may be a feeding ministry, pick up all the bread you can. Fill up your basket, just get all you can. So that's why we're going to do a lot of outlines. Now, in uh, section 7, chapter 1, verse 12 to 20, we have a 14-fold glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So before John sees in, uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, before he sees the condition of the church, he sees the vision of the head of the church. That's so important. We've got to have Christ first. It's all about Jesus, as we see. So it's about Him. So I'm going to put this outline here and just uh, read comment on, on each of these points here. So 14 fold glory. So Christ in His sanctuary. I'll come back to number six in a moment. All right. So in verse 14, John sees His head. First of all, His head. And uh, I, I don't know what, anybody been to court here? Do you have courts here? Anybody been on the jury? Uh, now, in Australia, and I think it was a British custom, uh, we're told that his head and his hair were like, like, white like wool. So his face is shining as the sun. So we have his head here. And when the judges come in, I want to link uh, number one and number two together. His head, uh, white, and his hair, white like wool. Now, in, in Australia, when I was in court a number of years ago, when the judge came in with the books of the law, and came to, using tabernacle language, he came to his most holy place and sat in the Ark of the Covenant, I mean, in the, in the seat of the judge. He had a white woolen wig on his head. Do you have that here? Yes. Okay, so you know, so he, Jesus Christ, with head and hair, white like wool, it speaks of wisdom. That's why my hair is white, okay? <laughs> And, and falling out. Okay, so wisdom, the ancient of days. So wisdom because he stands there as the judge and in, the, in, in chapters 2 and 3 he's going to be the judge of the church, the high priest judge. 
as you'll see, he stands in the midst of the church. So his hand and hair, white like wool. Number three, the third thing about the glory of the risen Christ. And you know, I mean, this is, I, mean, we're, I know we're having a seminar, but if, if, if the veil was taken away from all of our eyes, naturally speaking, I would be like John along with you. We would just fall flat on our face and just worship the Lord. Because when John, who lived on his uh, breast when he was here on earth, when he saw him in his post-resurrection glory, he fell at his feet as dead. And he had to have the right hand of resurrection laid upon him. So if we saw the glory of the risen Christ this morning, all of us would be just flat on our face. And we could say amen to that. Amen. Just worshipping our risen Christ. So at number three, his eyes are as a flame of fire. Talk about a flamethrower. Because the light is shining from within. And his eyes as a flame of fire searching and penetrating the condition of the churches. Because see, John was in the spirit. Uh, on the Lord's day, to receive the book, he was in the spirit to see the condition of the churches. And you have to be in the spirit. There has to be that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to see, okay, what? Uh, I, I know all of us who are traveling ministries and that. Every church I go to, I say, Lord, you're the head of the church. You walk in the midst of the lampstand. What would be the appropriate word for the church today? You know the condition of the church. I don't. Just drop a word, a, a ream of word into my heart that may be appropriate for this time. And so that's what is happening here. John's getting an appropriate word. All right, so his eyes penetrating, his flames of fire. Number four, his voice. We're told his voice is as the sound of many waters, majestic. Talk about uh, a number of years ago, I was at the Niagara Falls, uh, just seeing the crashing of the water. I think, wow. Uh, his voice is as the uh, rushing of many waters, majestic, awe-inspiring, just overpowering his voice. And then at number five, his face. His face is shining like the sun. It's the glory of the risen Christ. And see, God takes the sun, the moon, and stars and always uses them as illustrations of various aspects of glory. Like when Paul talks about the resurrection, he says there's one glory of the sun, there's one glory of the moon, and there's another glory of the stars. And as the stars differ from one another in glory, so also is the resurrection of the saints. So in the resurrection of the saints, some saints are going to come uh, clothed with the glory of the sun. Some will have the glory of the moon. Some will have the glory of the different stars. You'll see them twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, uh, type of thing. Uh, but we determine our resurrection glory by obedience to light. That's what I'm saying. So here the Lord Jesus Christ... Full glory, his face shining as the sun, just like on the Mount of Transfiguration. Number six, the next thing we're told is about his mouth. And out of his mouth comes a sharp, two-edged sword. Cut off the S, what's the sword? The word. So the sword, the word. Just cut the S off and you've got word, sword. So uh, the sword comes out of his mouth, out of his mouth, because that word is going to judge and deal with the church, cleanse the church. Uh, number seven... His garment, his clothes with the garment down the foot. And I like it put next to this point here. What John is actually seeing, because uh, we'll do this in a moment here. John is actually seeing a tabernacle scene. And he's seeing Christ in the sanctuary, ministering at the golden lampstands. We'll come back to that in a moment. So here he's seeing Christ clothed in his garments of glory and beauty. His face is shining as the sun. And uh, he's this garment, like a priestly garment, down to the foot. So it's Christ in his high priestly ministry. Uh, with, uh, like Aaron, he used to have the breastplate of judgment. 
Other on his uh, uh, on the top of his garments here, so Christ is clothed in garments of glory and beauty, standing as high priest in the midst of the church to judge and to cleanse the church. All right, number eight, uh, his hand is referred to in verses uh, 16 and 17, his hand. And uh, we can only imagine what that hand meant to John as uh, when he looked at his hands and his hands, the double thought we have here, uh, his nail-pierced hand, and uh, when uh, Jesus was raised from the dead and Thomas uh, was a doubting Thomas instead of a shouting Thomas, he said, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the wound in his side. So they still have the scars, uh, as John Wesley says in that famous hymn, five bleeding wounds he bears, glorified wounds. We'll know him by the nail scars in his hand. We'll never mistake Christ for anybody else because we'll know him by those nail prints. And, and that hand touches uh, John, the laying of the hands, Resurrection life, impartation of John. But uh, here the main thing is that he has in his hands the seven stars, which interprets for us are the seven messengers, or the angelos of each of the seven churches there. His hand, his nail, his, his, they're in his hands. So he says, touch not the Lord's anointed. They're in his hands upheld and supported and disciplined by him. Never by the congregation, but by him ministries in his hands and uh, it's a, 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 a Hebrew says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God mm -hmm. so the ministries are held and supported and disciplined by him so his hand is now pierced hand then number nine John fell at his feet as dead so we begin at his feet uh, years ago we would superimpose a vision of Christ on the tabernacle and his feet uh, would actually touch the brazen altar and then his face would like touch the Ark of the Covenant where the Shekinah glory was, and in his right hand, the lampstand, and in his left hand, the table of showbread. So just superimpose the vision of Christ here. So his feet, again, nail pierced feet, uh, nail pierced feet that walked this earth, but now his feet as if uh, they were burning in a furnace because he's going to judge the sin that's in the church. And then number 10, his girdle, uh, his, uh, his sash, or belt, it is. It's uh, it's the servant. So he's there also as the servant, Messiah. And then number seven, his glory, which I've already referred to, but his glory, his face shining as the sun in all its strength. So it's post-resurrection glory. And see, we're told uh, in John's John's Gospel chapter one that the Word was made flesh and literally tabernacle among us. So he was the tabernacle on earth. As he walked around, he was the glory of God. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was the, the, only the veil of his flesh that uh, hid that glory that was in him. But on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Moses Elijah turned up, two witnesses, if you please, we're told that his body shone with light. So the glory was inside, but the veil of his flesh uh, just veiled it from people, but on the Mount of Transfiguration, the glory just shone through the veil, and Moses Elijah turned up, and there was Peter, James, and John, apostolic ministry again. So his glory, and then number 12, his position, he's standing in the midst of the seven churches as the head of the church, and we'll pick that up in a moment again too. His title, he's referred to not as the Son of God, but as the Son of Man. So whenever you see Son of God, it's always referring to His divinity. When you see Son of Man, it always refers to His humanity. So though He's the glorified Christ, John is seeing Him as the Son of Man. He is the Son of God in His divinity, Son of Man 
in his humanity, and then his ministry. Number fourteen uh, verses, uh, number fourteen here, verses twelve to uh, twelve to twenty. So John, before he sees the church, and the Lord has to deal with the church, he sees this fourteenfold glory of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, if that veil was taken away and our eyes were open even now this morning, because this is not just a seminar, this is truth. This is what the word shows. John saw him in all this glory. So we, we would just be flat on our faces dead. Now, it's really important for us to get this picture. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to go back to number 6 on page 1. All right, so we're touched on the high spots of this chapter, so... Number seven, the vision of the Son of Man, the 14-fold glory there. I want to go to number six now. And I want to go to the particular verses here. And I uh, do want to encourage you, if you haven't finished reading the book, do read it because we don't have that type of time in class. Okay, uh, Revelation chapter 1, and let's pick up in verse 10. I, uh, I was in the Spirit of the Lord, saying, heard behind me a great voice into the trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write it in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, better translation in New King James, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, then we have that 14-fold description. Now, in verse 20, we have the interpretation of the symbol. Now, remember, uh, in one of the textbooks I've done, there are about 130 symbols in the book of Revelation. And there's one section in one of the texts I've done that gives an interpretation of, of the, uh, every symbol in the book of Revelation. If you want to buy a good commentary on the book of Revelation, buy the book of Revelation. By, by the Bible. Okay. All right. So the Bible generally interprets its own symbols. That's what I'm saying here. So in verse 20, we would never know what the lampstand represented, and we would never know what the stars represented unless Jesus himself interprets the symbol for us. So let's look at it. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and... Safely say, the mystery of the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels, the angelos of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So no mistake. Now, I'd like you to, uh, you don't have to take this diagram down, but at least get the gist of it now. Uh, and also, you know, I'm doing a little bit of hermeneutics here for those who are uh, more serious students of the word, according to your gifting, of course. Uh, these are things, these are master keys that I feel the Lord's given me over many years through different ministries and through a lot of study. I went through, this is the first particular mention of the lampstand, the golden uh, candlestick, lampstand's a better translation of the Bible. So why don't you take this down, don't worry about the diagram. And this is a progressive, uh, those of you who have done hermeneutics, we would refer to this hermeneutically as first of all like first mention, Progressive mention, comparative mention, complete mention, and right through the total Bible. So, for my own study, so I'm saying this so that you you understand well, like um, one of the brothers said about Kevin. So, well, I know what Kevin believes, I know why he believes it, I know how he got it. So, it's not me just giving out a lot of information, but so, well, how did Kevin kind of come up with that? Did he fast and pray 80 days or what? <laughs> did he have durian? <laughs> what happened to his head? Uh, I just did, did a lot of study, which took 
thousands of hours. Okay, so now here's a progressive revelation of this uh, before I continue here. Okay, now I'll just say it to you because it's so small you can't see it. Number one, the first vision or revelation we have of the golden lampstand is given to Moses. So I'd like you to take this down because it's going to help us particularly on Revelation. So even though you can't see this, bring, bring your binoculars tomorrow, will you? Okay. okay, so up here what I've got is, number one, the vision is first of all given to Moses. God said to Moses, and let me say this once, particularly for those who you know don't uh, always handle my style of teaching, I'm what you call a jigsaw puzzle uh, teacher. How many have ever put a puzzle together? So when you're putting the puzzle together, several steps you have. The first of all, you lay out all the parts of the puzzle. This is the illustration I use that helps, uh, particularly with this type, type of teaching. And you lay out all the parts of the puzzle. Now, if you, uh, you notice a picture there, so when you pick up a part of the puzzle, you try to fit it in and say, oh, I don't know where that fits, throw it away. Then you pick up another part of the puzzle, oh, I don't know where that, oh, I'll go further. How many of you know if you keep throwing the parts away, you'll have no puzzle by the time you're through? Okay, but you say, look, I don't know where that fits, you don't have to force the parts or you'll distort the picture. But bit by bit you say, oh, this just fits in here, it just locks and interlocks, until at the end of it you say, wow, what a great, great picture. So the Bible is like a divine jigsaw puzzle. God hasn't put it all out systematically. He hasn't read my foundations of Christian doctrine. He hasn't even read my book on Revelation. He hasn't read any of my books, as a matter of fact. But he said, you do the work. Don't force the scriptures or you'll distort it. Put the jigsaw puzzle together. That's what I'm doing. First part of the jigsaw puzzle, vision to Moses and Aaron, who was the high priest, ministering to the golden lampstand. I'll come back to that in a moment. Number two, the second vision we have is given to David. And when David, who got the revelation of the Temple of Solomon, God told David, through Solomon now, to make ten golden lampstands. So notice the progressive revelation of the golden lampstand. Number one, one golden lampstand to Moses for the tabernacle of Moses. Number two, ten golden lampstands given to Solomon or given to David via Solomon, ten lampstands in the temple. Right, number three, the third progressive revelation and part of, of the jigsaw puzzle here is what was given to Daniel. Daniel is in Babylon and we find in the book of Revelation we come to Babylon and Babylon's going to fall. The woman Babylon and the city of Babylon will come to that. So what's the vision given to Daniel? He's not in the party and so while they're uh, mocking the gods, the God of Israel, and drinking out of the vessels of the house of the Lord, all of a sudden, out of the wall comes handwriting, a hand writing on the wall in unknown tongues, which needed interpretation. None of the wise men of Babylon could do it, so they have to say, well, let's get the prophet Daniel. So Daniel comes in, and here's the significant thing. When the handwriting came, it was over against the golden lampstand. So God working with the golden lampstand, writing in an unknown tongue that needed interpretation, and that night Belshazzar was slain. That night Babylon fell. And it's all in connection with the golden lampstand. So how many see that God's got something in mind about this article of furniture? Wow, there's something about this lampstand that God's very interested in. So one to Moses, ten to David, and the temple of Solomon. The fall of Babylon in connection with the gold lampstand. And tongues in interpretation, you might say, in connection with the lampstand. Oh, we still don't know what the lampstand represents. We don't know what the, the simple interpreted means. We haven't been given that. 
but we do know it's light and illumination. Then number four, we come to the vision given to Zechariah. And Zechariah is given something that Moses didn't get, that David didn't get, that Daniel didn't get. He's got some additional. God said, look, here's some more of the jigsaw puzzle I want you to have. And so, Zechariah, what do you see, Zechariah? Well, I see a golden lampstand. What else do you see, Zechariah? Wow, I see a golden bowl, and it's full of golden oil. What else do you see, Zechariah? Oh, I see two olive trees on each side. What else do you see, Zechariah? Well, I see all these golden pipes, seven golden pipes here. And I see two golden pipes here, nine in all. Wow, nine gifts of the Spirit, nine through the Spirit, nine Beatitudes, nine pipes. Wow. And, uh, and the two olive trees, they're connected to the golden bowl. They're not connected to the lampstand. Zechariah, what are you doing? You're having weird visions. What do you mean? But there's further revelation. And now we come to the ultimate, the book of ultimates. So we've gone from first mention to progressive mention to complete mention. And we come to the final of it. And uh, John brings the whole thing together. So Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. John, what do you see? Oh, I see seven lampstands. Well, what do they represent? Jesus tells us the seven lampstands are seven churches in Asia. So, no mistake, the, the lampstand represents the church. The only light in the city is the church. Take the church out, the city is in darkness. So, no church is meant to smoke. You're <laughs> supposed to give light. Stop smoking. Some churches are smoking because they don't have the holy oil. What else do you see, John? Well, I see down in Revelation chapter 11, I see two lampstands and I see two olive trees. John, where'd you get that from? Well, Kevin, I went back to Zachariah, I went back to Moses, I went back to David, I went to David, I went to Zach. I just brought the whole thing to Kevin. Here's the jigsaw puzzle. Seven lampstands here, seven churches. No mistake here, two lampstands, two olive trees. And he said, what are they? These two lampstands, these two olive trees. Revelation 11 are two witnesses. How many see what I've done? So I've gone through every reference in the total Bible. That's the divine jigsaw puzzle. So I'm not going to understand Revelation chapter 1 or Revelation chapter 11 without putting the jigsaw puzzle together. That's the picture that we have. All right, now. Let's go to this next part here, and um, okay, just watching our time. All right, now I want I want to give you a master key here, and uh, in order to understand Revelation, one of the master keys is the picture that we've got here. I've already referred to it. Did, uh, how many are good artists? <laughs> you, can, yeah. you don't have to do this, you just have to make a note of it. Now, this is a master key to understanding Revelation. It's impossible to understand the book of Revelation unless you understand the tabernacle of Moses. So what I want to do briefly here, because we're looking at the golden lampstand, so Christ is the great high priest, like Aaron, He's standing in front of the golden lampstand like Aaron and he's going to minister the seven lampstands like Aaron in fulfillment of that. 
That's Revelation chapter 1, 2 and 3. Now, in Revelation, the book of Revelation, every article of furniture is referred to except one. So, all you need to do is take down the references, and I'll just say them here. So, Revelation chapter 1 is the great high priest, okay? Some of these diagrams, and I'm not in the PowerPoint yet, unless somebody lays hands on me and gives me the gift of PowerPoint. <laughs> this is my PowerPoint here, okay? <laughs> okay, so Revelation chapter 1 is the picture of Jesus as the great high priest. You can put that down. You've got that there, okay? Christ in all his glory, clothed in the garments of glory and beauty, our great high priest. Revelation chapter 6, which we'll come to in due time, in the opening of the fifth seal, John sees souls under the altar, and their blood is crying out, how long before you avenge our blood, O Lord? Because at the brazen altar, the blood of the sacrificial victims was poured out. These martyrs have paid the supreme sacrifice, and their blood, which has a voice, is crying out for vengeance. We looked at the session. So that's Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4 or 5 and chapter 15, John sees the, the sea of glass, the brazen labor or the molten sea from the Temple of Solomon. And just very briefly here, in Revelation 4 and 5, the sea of glass is clear as crystal. Clear as crystal before the throne of God. Revelation chapter 15, it is a sea of glass mingled with fire. And let me say this, at every article of furniture, there's a company of people. There's the martyrs under the altar here. But this article of furniture is particularly reserved for tribulation saints. And Revelation chapter 15, it says these who have overcome the mark of the beast and not taken his name, his number, his mark, and being through the fires of great tribulation, they stand on the sea of glass. That's their position. Both in the outer court, which was symbolized entirely by brass, brass being the symbol of judgment. So that's Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and Revelation 15. Then we come into what we're looking at now, Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. The high priest now is standing before the golden lampstand, picture of the seven churches, seven lamps, seven branches, whatever, or seven golden lamps and the seven churches, no mistake about that. Let's go to this one, Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1 to 4, which we'll look at later on, is John sees the golden <coughs> altar and he sees the golden censer. And the high priest standing at the golden altar taking the prayers of the saints. That's that article furniture. Then, when we get to Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we see four pillars, four living ones. We'll come to that in due time. Then in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, John sees the temple open in heaven. He sees the Ark of the Covenant and the glory of God. And he actually sees the church, the bride of Christ, standing within the veil before the Ark of the Covenant. So every article of furniture is specifically mentioned in the book of Revelation. So how can anybody understand Revelation unless we understand the symbolism and the truths that are symbolized in these articles? The only article not specifically mentioned but implied is the table of showbread. Now why do I say that? I believe the table of showbread is represented 
in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 where it speaks of the 24 elders, I'll say why in a moment, and they cast their crowns before the Lord. And here's the picture that we have. In these 12 loaves of showbread, their composition was of two-tenths deal of fine flour. 12 by 2 equals 24. So the number 24, two lots of 12s, I mentioned the 24s, and then the elders cast their crowns. This had a crown on it, this had a crown on it, no crown out here, but this had a double crown. And they cast their crowns before the Lord. So by implication, and also in the Ark of the Covenant was the manna, which was two-tenths deal, the same as this, the table of showbread. So by implication. So every other article of furniture is mentioned specifically, this is by implication. So help me to see it's impossible to understand Revelation unless we understand a bit, at least a bit of the tabernacle notes. Everybody agree with that? Yes. Thank you for that underwhelming response. <laughs> how many of you agree with that? Yes. Impossible. So people say, well, how do you understand Revelation? Well, understand tabernacle Moses, that would help. Understand the Temple of Solomon, that would help. Understand the Tabernacle of David, that would help. Understand the 65 books that have gone before the And you're wrong. Because that, that, that's what I've done in my studies. See, this is the miracle of inspiration in the Revelation. What John has done under the inspiration of the Spirit, he's taken a bit of the 65 books of the Bible that have gone before, a bit out of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, uh, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Samuel, right through, and he's taken a bit out of the 65 books of the Bible, and he composed one book out of the 65 books that have gone before without any contradiction. That is the miracle of inspiration. And we can say amen on that. So when people say, oh, the Bible's not inspired, so you try and compose one book out of 65 books without any contradiction. That would be perspiration. <laughs> John had inspiration. That's the difference. And I think that's worth a little hallelujah, don't you? Alright, so that's the tremendous picture here. We want to understand that without that. Now, alright, let's uh, move on to this next section here. And we'll go back to, we'll go back to this part. Now, as we uh, finish on chapter 1, this is what I want you to pick up. We've uh, looked at the tabernacle. Now, John, and this is really important here, John is not introduced, have to listen carefully here, it doesn't hurt you to think, or does it? Okay. Alright, John is not introduced in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, he's not introduced into an outer court scene. In the outer court, of the tabernacle of Moses, which John, John is saturated with it. He, he, you know, he knows the tabernacle, he knows the temple, he knows these things. He's not like dumb Westerners. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're not a Westerner? <laughs> Aren't you glad you're Asian? <laughs> yeah. He's not dumb like dumb Westerners and intelligent Asians. Pull up your safe there, okay. Right. So he's not introduced to an outer court. See, John's gospel, in a sense, deals with the outer court. Why do I say that? Because when Jesus died on the cross, they pierced his side and forthwith came blood and water. And in his epistle he said, This is he that came by a water and blood, not by water only, but by water and blood, the spirit that bears witness. So in the outer court, uh, Israel could only approach God through these two articles of furniture 
first the blood, the brazen altar, then the water, the brazen labor. And so for 1,500 years they were faced with blood and water, blood and water. So when Jesus died on the cross, and John's Gospel is the only Gospel that records this, they pierced his side forth with came blood and water. So it forever abolished animal sacrificial blood, ceremonial washing of water, water, and introduced the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin, and washing of water by the word. So that's John's Gospel. That's John's epistle, how the court scene. Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3 is not in the outer court scene, it's a holy place scene. So that's important. Now, let's say this while I'm on it. In, uh, depending on the translations, with some translations measured up, this is the uh, tremendous picture that we have here. That's uh, the outer court there. Okay. The holy place, HP, the holy place actually measured 10 by 10 by 20 equaling 2,000 cubical content. This, the most holy place, that's not miles per hour, that's most holy place, okay? Just for those carnal people here. This measured 10 by 10 by 10, uh, 1,000 cubical content. So what we say on this without, you know, not setting dates or anything like that. We say this represents where the lampstand was, and the table of showbread was and the old of incense. This represents the church age of 2,000 cubits, 2,000 years, whatever time, you know, God only knows, beginning and end of this age. And this, where only the Ark of the Covenant was, glory of God shining on the earth floor in the tabernacle of Moses. In the tabernacle in the Temple of Solomon was on a gold floor. And this one's an earthen floor. So the priests actually walked on the earth where the glory of God was on the high priest here. And this represents the most holy place, the thousand years of the millennium, Revelation 20. They're dealing with this. Revelation uh, from here, uh, 1, 2, 3 and on, which is dealing with the church age. So John is actually introduced into a holy place scene. He's introduced to a church age scene, and that's seen by this. Then later on, the uh, older incense, as well as this. Later on, he's introduced to, to this. That's, that's the picture. So we have to sort of get the picture, the setting that John is into. Now, all right, now, John has seen Jesus as the great high priest. And this is what has to happen. Maybe four things you could put down here. All right, so number one, we've already seen this, is our great high priest, number one. And he fulfills the role of Aaron, who was the great high priest. Let's turn over to Exodus chapter 28. Look at a couple of verses here. Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28. And uh, for your notes, you can just put down uh, verses 1 through to 4. Exodus 28, verse 1 through to 4. Uh, and I'm reading from uh, New Authorized here. And he says, uh, Moses, uh, God talking to Moses, Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, and I've underlined in my Bible that he may minister to me as priest. He may minister unto me in the priest's office. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, advise you, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So, holy garments. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, ministering as priest. 
and these are the garments, and he spells out the eight garments there, and it ends up that he may minister to me as priest. So three times in that passage, Aaron is clothed with garments, glory, and beauty to minister. So number one, this is the picture that John is seeing. He's seeing not Aaron, he's seeing Jesus Christ as our high priest judge. Number two, second thing of Aaron's ministry, Aaron was to stand morning and evening before the golden lampstand. So that's the picture. Number two, Aaron was to stand in the holy place uh, before the golden lampstand morning and evening to minister to it. Number three, how was Aaron to minister to it? Number three, the third step, Aaron was to take the, the, the tongs and he was to trim the lamps. Instead of the lamps smoking, they were supposed to give light. So his job was to take the tongs and snip away the burnt out ashes and the burnt out areas of the wicks on the lamps that were burning with oil, not a candle stick, you know, but an oil stick really, lamp stand, and trim that. And then number four, after you trim the ashes away and trim the lamps, number four, his fourth step was he was to supply holy oil for the lamps. So that's the fourfold ministry I want you to pick up. So number one, Clothed in his glory, garments of glory and beauty. Uh, he stands before the lampstand. Number two, morning and evening. In the morning and in the evening, so the lamps were always burning. And then number three, he step was to trim the lamps and the ashes away. And then number four, he was to supply the holy oil. Now how many can see that's exactly what Jesus Christ is doing here? That's what John is seeing. His mind's saturated with that. Jesus Christ is the great high priest. John is seeing him clothed in the garments of glory and beauty, number one. Number two, Jesus is standing before the seven golden lamps and the seven churches, representative churches uh, here, and uh, the church at Ephesus, church at uh, Philadelphia and Laodicea and so forth, and he's standing there. And number three, what's he doing? There's a lot of burnt out areas, They're given off smoke instead of light, so he's got to trim the lamps. And, uh, and you see, you can throw in here Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, at the midnight cry, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, at the midnight there was a cry, and so all the virgins, wise and foolish, had to trim their lamps, go out to meet the bridegroom, same picture, trimming the lamps, lamp trimming time, alright, so number, number three, take away the, and number four, Jesus is there to supply the oil of the Holy Spirit to each of the churches. You're running out of oil, you're running out of the Holy Spirit's power and anointing, I'm here to supply. That's the tremendous picture that we have there. That, that's uh, just a fantastic picture. So Christ is our great high priest ministering to lampstand. All right, now, I think that's the picture that we've, we've got here. All right, let's turn over to Revelation chapter one again before we take our break. Okay, so as we uh, wrap up here, so the main points we've covered here in Revelation chapter 1 is the, the sevenfold chain of communication from the Father through the Son, through a messenger, to the Apostle John, then to the Angelos of the church, then to the church, and then to the world. And then that the key to the book is found in verse 10. John is in the Spirit. And uh, just one other thing I want to give you here on verse 10. The expression, I was in the Spirit, is used four times as we wrap up in this chapter. Uh, let me just uh, do that. So uh, four times this expression in the Spirit. So number one, the four times, I want to give you the four references. 
Number one is uh, Revelation 1 verse 10. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard the great voice. So number one, he's in the Spirit to see the condition of the seven churches. So first in the Spirit. He's in the Spirit to see the condition of the seven churches. Number two, the second use of this expression, expression in the Spirit is Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. And we listen to the language. After this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet. So it's the same trumpet voice talking with me which said come up hither and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately, number two, I was in the spirit and behold a throne. So number one, he's in the spirit to see the condition of the seven churches. Number two, he's in the spirit to see the throne and the book. That's what I want you to pick up there. He's in the spirit to see the throne and the book. And then number three, the third use of this expression, it's the key to the book. John is in the spirit, he's in the spirit. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Caught up in the realm of the spirit. The third use is found in Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 3. Revelation 17 verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns so briefly John is in the spirit to see the harlot church so he's in the spirit so that's the progressive picture we have so that's a whole uh, session in itself and then number four the fourth use of this expression in the spirit is found in Revelation chapter uh, 20 uh, 21 and I'll read verse 9 and 10. Uh, now this is one of those great themes in the book of Revelation. Safe theme to deal on. Okay, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 9 and 10. And there came, uh, one, then one of the uh, seven angels had the seven bowls uh, filled with the seven last plates. Came to me and talked to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showing me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, sending out of God from heaven. So, number four, John is in the spirit to see the bride, the Lamb's wife. That's the picture. So, let's sort of bring this chapter to a conclusion. So, number one, John's in the spirit to see the condition of the seven churches. Number two, John is in the spirit to see the throne of the book. Number uh, three, John is in the spirit to see the harlot church. And number four, John is in the spirit to see the bride. How many think we need to be in the spirit to see those four? That's a tremendous picture that we have. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.